Shepamaniac to listen to another episode of the Shop Talk Show podcast all about front end web design development. I'm Dave Rupert and with me is Chris Coyer. Hey, Chris. Yeah, that's right. It's me. Um, We're doing it. It's just you and I, just you and I today. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, so, uh, you know, it's nice to build in breaks to like these heavy mm-hmm. JavaScript series. And in no way did we have a guest cancel because they're sick and it's flu season. In no way. Was that the case? Sometimes guests cancel all. because their family is having a baby too. That's an incredible. That's also has to happened to us. Uh, it's fine. Everything's fine. We're running a professional podcast. <laughs> just two, just two white dudes having a podcast. I know. So rare. So rare. Uh, I know. It's terrible. You know, I got a, some dude wrote an article and sent it to me to look at. I love that when people do that. I'm like, thanks. I want to see your article. I don't mind. I'm happy to look at it. Um, no obligations, you know? And so I look at it and I'm like, this is pretty good. It's pretty interesting. You know, cool. Uh, it's on my radar now. Maybe I'll share it. Maybe I won't. I don't know. But I read it. Whatever. That's what email's all about. And then he emailed again. He emailed again. Then he emailed again. Then he DM'd me on Twitter. Then he at replied me on Twitter. Then he DM'd three more times about the article. Then he emailed three more times. And every time it was like, hey, what do you think? What do you think? What do you think? Here's a gif of something in the article. Here's the, you know, and I was just like, wow. I don't know why I bring that up. Just because it's kind of like, obviously that's bad behavior, but this is one in a million. So of course there's going to be idiots out there or whatever. But I was just like, imagine it takes a certain type of human to do that and it made me think like i just couldn't imagine a woman doing that you know mm-hmm. like it would just be Did, so like needy and weird that like i feel like I, gender does play into it in some interesting way that this guy's so like you will not ignore me i wrote an article anyway. yeah there's kind of a i'm I've, I've come across personalities like that in the past kind of um uh just really like Headstrong, um, where you you know just keep asking and asking. And for me, it's not even like like contributors to my blog. Sometimes it's like you know like will you add a link to my site? You know those kind of like spam emails. And I think you joked about like doing a podcast with only those people that like. So we as a podcast, we get people who like solicit us like, hey, uh, you should have Jim Jimmy John John on your show because Jimmy John John's the Director of technology at some company you've never heard of. Well, it's incredible how many emails you get like that, right? Like they hired somebody to do PR for them, and they really want on your podcast. But, of course, Jimmy John John is too busy to possibly reach out himself. Yeah, Which is yeah, like, I get people are busy, but it's such a turnoff, you know? It's like he's telling you, I want on your podcast, and I don't have time for you at the same time. It's like, yeah. go yeah. to bed, Jimmy John John. Well, but then there's the the brand that's like, hey, I saw your article on, you know, uh, configuring WSL to render Ruby on Rails. I think this link would be really great if you included it in your site. And so I just delete them because I'm just like, no way this is like real. But then they like follow up on you and they're like, hey, did you read that email I sent? Or I see you read that email about putting that link to the thing and i'm like what get out of my in- inbox but you know they have the read receipt tracking gif thing. yeah they have the tracking gif that that red says Does that if it's still work so. funny i thought uh, i guess it i guess it would i thought there was something weird about gmail and i mean i guess that would 
presuppose that you use Gmail, which may, perhaps you don't. I would assume that you don't actually. And I ex- I use the native client on Windows, so yeah, yeah. So, so maybe it would work, fault. but they like cache weird stuff or something like. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, okay, that was a weird way to start this. Yeah, that was. But how do you? I guess so. Let's let's talk about getting your name out there. What what do you think is like a good way to get your name out there? What, what, well, that's what a good be... question because I did just kind of just say like I do like it when you email me. Not that I'm like some gatekeeper of of, of sharing this, you know. But your, your if you want to tell reaction me, reaction was purely to the volume of assertiveness, and, yeah. and you probably had a negative uh, response to that. Well, and it's a really uh, dramatic that. curve because it's 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 positive at at the first like thank you and then as soon as the second one comes it is already nose to dive into negativity I'm like whoa right. whoa whoa so right, one, right. one one is fine because uh, because even like i i want to follow can i we're popcorning around here but but like at some point like is it kind of like i should like follow up and be like hey chris I, it's been like two weeks and maybe you saw like what's that threshold for when i can't when it's safe to email CSS tricks and be like, did y'all get my submission? Is there any feedback or whatever? Is there like a, yeah, that I suppose tone would help a lot there, you know? Yeah. And like, and then like, what are you being a little clear about what you want? You know, like, like if the message is hi, I wrote this, um, I'd like you to take a look at it. Yeah. Or, but if that's the goal is I wish you would share it, then say, I wish you would share it. And then I know what your your goal is there. But that is a little needy. I mean, then this, I'm just speaking for myself, but I feel like other people would react in the same way. When you're asked to share something, it feels very, I'm almost never like inclined to do it. I'm more disinclined to do it if you've straight up asked me to do it. Unless you're like my buddy. If Dave, if you asked me to share something, I would just immediately do it. A tireless oh, supporter great. of my I friend. Gotta- pyramid scheme i'd like yeah. to uh, tell your followers <laughs> but even a more casual acquaintance if we talk to each other a number of times sure i'd be happy to i love it but when you're a, a rando uh, it's just a bad look it's just not acceptable to me so and so okay let's abstract that to some rule ground rules ground rules so as, as a as as uh, let's say let's say you have no relationship with the publication like no no friend of a friend, like, so you you are welcome to submit. You should submit things to CSS tricks. That would be awesome. But, yeah. but like, editorially, you don't have to take everything. Now, if you knew somebody or yeah. there was some, already some goodwill afoot, it probably works, right? But I, I'm just, how does somebody who, who isn't, hasn't broken into the game. How do they break into the game? I guess. Yeah. And that's the ultimate question, isn't it? Cause it, because I don't want to like discourage people from is. sharing or whatever. <laughs> I just, yeah. That's just the thing. Like, what, is the the game? Game? I... what is the game? Are you, are you just in, do you just want to get like your claps up on medium or something? Like, why do you care exactly? You like claps. Um, sometimes GitHub stars are better than a resume. So that's good. So, Maybe I want GitHub stuck. Like, isn't it more important that somebody like read it than shared it? Like, I mm. don't know. Unless you're, unless, because then it seems like, well, your goal is page views or something. So if I share mm-hmm. it, then those page views up and somehow that equals money or something. Uh, I mean, it does, you know, but, but like abstractly and o- only over a long period of time. I, what, so what kind of articles 
are you looking for on CSS tricks? No, that's well, I mean, there's different. Stuff. There's like, is this something like that's worth sharing because you've written it elsewhere? Or are you trying to literally submit something for, for, for guest posting? And that happens pretty regularly, that guest posting stuff. And you'd be surprised at how amazingly good people are at this. First of all, we have a page for it on our site that says, like, are you interested in guest posting? Read this, which talks about kind of like, you know, what what you should do and what we expect of you, that type of thing. Uh, and people find that and read it. And, and when they respond, they indicate that they've read it. And that's really wonderful, you know. And there's some baseline stuff in there, like, what's your idea? Who's it for? Like, you know, and then I have some overall principles there like part of what we're looking for like if we're gonna pay you to write something for css tricks like literally give you some money to do this and nobody's getting rich but i hope it's like worth your time money you know it's not like ten dollars in fact it's 250 dollars generally um and i say generally like 90 percent of the time Unless it's like way above and beyond and you had to do a bunch of research or it's a big multi-part article or required above and beyond work, then we can always talk about it. But pretty much it's a flat 250, which mm-hmm. I hope is, you know, worth a, an hour or two of your time to to do it. And it might be a little bit more than that because there might be a little bit of back and forth and, and stuff. The vibe is like, I don't, I don't necessarily want your editorial because we get a bunch of that like, uh, you know, like, I just want to say something. Here's my words yeah. on it. Meh. Yeah. You know? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, those are opinion pieces, and those are given to newspapers yeah, we, for free, I, I think. I, right, yeah. they're given to newspapers for free. I, I often say, you know, we don't publish guest editorial usually, you know? Unless it's, because there's kind of a version of editorial. It's like, I, I want to say something, but I'm going to quote eight people to to give flavor to this story, you know, that kind of thing. Sum that up a, a roundup, a conversation. Sure. Yeah. And you're, but you're just, you're proving that you're listening to the world and that you're aware that there's a bigger world around you. That's nice. That's research. That's journalism. That's interesting to me. And I, I'd be happy to publish something like that, even if it is kind of opinion based, but there's a lot of submissions that are just like, you know, there is no such thing as back end. Or something. I got that submission Ooh. the other day or something. I'm like, I kind of get what you're saying, but that's weird. And I don't want to like, I don't want to have that be, that's just you just spouting some stuff, you know, like, give me, give me more than that. What I'd prefer to pay you money for, because, you know, and this is just my site, this isn't all sites in the world, is that you're giving me some referential content. Like you're helping expand our almanac, which is like technical documentation or you've Googled something and you've not found something and you struggled through something and you've come to a good solution and I'm going to write that up because I can imagine somebody else Googling it in the future. That's what I want to pay you to write, you know? Because mm-hmm. uh, whatever, we're a little business and that's, no. that's yeah. the deal. I mean, I I I think uh, I got burned on my last submission to a popular list uh, blog. <laughs> And, okay. and, um, yeah, it was like totally rejected. And I, I had this, uh, in, in some ways it was a good thing. Um, but I just was like, what more do you want from me? You know, like you asked for submissions and then I submitted and then you said you didn't want this. And, uh, it was like, uh, I, I was a little burned, a little sour by it. Um, but to be honest, it, it kind of kicked me off on blogging on my own site. Cause I just was like, you know what? <laughs> you you lose out, fan popular blog. I'm going to do my own 
So, you know, <laughs> and sure. that's it, you know, and, and that's, I mean, that's all to say. And I've written for that publication before. That's so it's like, I was like surprised when I got like, like basically denied at the Some gate, sites you know? are a lot harder to get into than, than, you know, there's probably some that are really easy. They'll just take any old damn thing that you write for them. Mm-hmm. And some yeah. are, I'd, I'd like to think we're a medium that's yes strict. Like I don't have time to be like a real true editor where I'm just going to like give you the nines on your article and just, you know, just subject you to the, the, the hellfire of editing, which is good. Like if, if a, a publication will do that for you, like I have a feeling this site would, um, I don't know, then you, they're just asking a lot of you to write this post. Whereas if we're kind of medium, like it's going to go through editing. It's going to probably go through at least two editors, but a lot of it is just like, hopefully it's good to begin with. And if it's not pretty good already to begin with, I'm just going to tell you, no, you know, is uh, one like a grammar check and one's kind of a tech check. Is that kind of the, right. And it would be pretty like, I, it's not often that I'll be like, why don't you rework this whole section here and actually move section three to section two? Because I think the flow is a little better and stuff like that. I generally don't do that. Cause cause I kind of don't have time. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, and it's not really my expertise anyway, but I will tech check it for the most part. Like I may not like NPM install your entire thing and whatever, but I'll, I'll look, yeah, you know, like I, I have some experience with technology, so I kind of know what's going to work and what won't, you know, and I'll look at the demos carefully and things like that. And then sometimes there's like that, sometimes that's just not good enough. Like I'll have a flub where there was a major accessibility problem with the thing. And it's like, oh, that's, you know, that's egg on my face for get, letting that get by. But hopefully we learn yeah. from those things and stuff. You know what I mean? And, you know, so so I'd say the bar is, like, not particularly high for CS's tricks. We're always looking for stuff. I'd say right at this moment, it's a little higher just because we're kind of, we're I'm out, like, a month with mm-hmm. with guest posts. So that's as, like, Ooh. as long as we ever get out. Yeah, it's nice. And yeah. Jeff Graham our, is the lead editor at CS's tricks now. He has been, been for doing a good o- job over a year. Yeah, it's nice because for me, I get to I get to step back a little bit and do some of the stuff that I'm better at doing, which is like maybe even soliciting authors once in a while and being like, hey, come write for us. You're good. And that kind of my out- outreach stuff is, is sometimes more valuable to me than just sitting back and seeing what we get. You know, like if you want to have a good publication, you probably have to do a little more work. Anyway, that, that's I think a, a back to kind of the like asking a magazine uh you're maybe not as uh desperate's not the right word but something along those lines you're, you're not like desperate for ad content writers i mean you've even brought people on for kind of regular columnists like like robin rindle or sarah drasner like they're kind of contributing some somewhat regularly kind of right and, and we that, almost think of know. them as like staff writers, really. And right. Yeah, not desperate at, at all, I'd say. Even if nobody submitted anything, there's nothing in the queue, and there was nothing from staff writers or anything, I still wouldn't think it's that big of a deal. I have promised to nobody. It's not like a daily newspaper where they're better as heck be a newspaper on your on your front stoop in the morning. Otherwise, people get weird about it. <laughs> in, it happened to us last year. We subscribed to the newspaper here in Bend, Oregon, and there was like a one-section newspaper and, an, and like a slip of paper on the front of it that's just like, whoa, sorry, bro. We just like couldn't get our crap together to like make like a real newspaper today. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, what? 
it's just like like one page from like an eight <laughs> yeah, years cut like, plus like know, seven here's the weather and of, some comics or whatever <laughs> yeah some comics and lawnmower ads yeah it turned out it was a little more complicated that had to do with some kind of printing issue or something but like I, it didn't <laughs> read like that at first and i was hey, like we tried yeah <laughs> Yes, you made That's a promise. Good. I mean, people subscribe to that stuff. No, nobody pays CSS tricks for for like you better publish two articles a day. You know, so even if we missed yeah. a day, it wouldn't be the end of the world. And I'm fully capable of. I am the lead writer. I write over half the content for CSS tricks. Well, I, I don't. I don't even know how the numbers break down. Historically, I've written much more than half of the content all all over the site, but. You know, week by week now, it's probably not half anymore. But if I had to, I certainly could write. It's like kind of my thing. We um, uh, so Paraville worked with Wired magazine. What uh, did you really yeah. recently? Well, surprise! I don't think we ever told anyone, but we did. Yeah. Um, wow. So like the the work that's up there now is similar to the work we had done, kind of in prototyping and stuff. Um, but it's really cool to to kind of get inside Condé Nast and see sort of how they kind yeah. of do things. And they were even saying like, you know, volume wise, it's like like forty to sixty pieces of content a day or something. A day on oh, Wired.com. And and yeah, and, and some magazines are even more and some are less, you know. Um, and that's just you know, you you see sites like I would have thought it would have been many. If I had to guess, I would have been like a couple, three, four. Depends on how, what what the size of the thing is. But like, who who's got t- like why is that number so high? I don't know. I mean, I I think you know maybe it was the the like specific year or something. You know, you're competing with like TechCrunch and people like that. You know, who yeah. just they're like whatever startup got $5 on the sidewalk. So, they, you know, they just kind of post whatever uh, or like any sort of uh, news. But I think I suppose it's because people don't read every article, right? They like if you post 40, you need to post 40 to get somebody to read two or whatever. Yeah, you have to cast kind of a broad net, you know, and I think that's yeah. um, and I think all, you know, you look at the verge and polygon and once you kind of that hear that sense. number, it, it actually, you know, it, it you, you kind of actually see it, you know, you're like, Oh, okay. So they just got kind of, you know, but I think like c- companies like wired have a huge, amazing editorial, like, Oh, like it's the flow, best. It's the one you know? print magazine I still get. It's so good. Right? It's so good. I mean, so good. And, uh, you know, I like the verge and polygon. I like their editorial. They've done a lot of video too. I like, um, but mm-hmm. they, uh, but you know, that it takes a lot of people. If you want to have like, very good quality. It takes a lot of people full time writing articles, kind of picking up stories, and you know, maybe my polygon. my calibration is off because I'm like, oh, it's so niche. Like if you, and I'm sure this people don't read every article I publish. I'm sure it's far yeah. from it, but I I like to think that they do. I write such that they do. You know, I, in that kind of trucking along narrative, like oh, yesterday we talked about ba ba da ba da kind of thing. I don't do that a lot, but I do sometimes. And in my head, I'm imagining. The, the readers that that read every article because we don't publish that many things and it's like it's so niche to begin with that like I, I hope you care enough to read pretty much every article yeah you might be you at least like want to scan the headline in the, the first paragraph and see if you want to dig into you know sure right uh fe matrixes <laughs> so <laughs> um but no yeah, exactly. i think uh yeah i think uh it, it's really interesting just I don't know that world of publishing. So, 
Well, that was a lot on, on publishing stuff. Thanks for giving me an opportunity to, to blast off on that stuff. No, I think it's cool. I think, um, I, I don't run a publication, but it'd be, I don't know. It'd be fun to contribute. So maybe I should dig up, cook up some CSS tricks articles. So I, I think, feel like I've been trying to get you for ages. Not that I, I, oh, actually, yeah. I don't think you have a single, a single byline on CSS. Really? Do you? Oh my gosh. This I is know. a shame. I have a, 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 I hope this works out because it hasn't been published yet, but I have an Eric Meyer piece kind of in the Ooh. in the queue and i've been like oh my gosh get a, get a luminary like eric on there i'm gonna start bugging other people to see if get, get at least one here, chris get an official yeah, no, <laughs> i mean great. official css publication now that eric's dropped by so oh man this episode of shop talk show is brought to you by native scripts NativeScript is a great way for front-end developers to start building native iOS and Android apps. You might have heard about NativeScript on Shop Talk Show before, but this time they've got some exciting news. NativeScript now officially sports Vue.js for app development. If you're a Vue developer, you can now build native mobile apps using the same framework you use on the web, while leveraging the power of NativeScript to tap into powerful mobile APIs. You can try it today at nativescript.org. And of course, they've got support for TypeScript, CSS, and popular frameworks like Angular as well. NativeScript lets you build awesome mobile apps with technologies you already know. You can start coding today with the NativeScript Playground, which is a 100% web-based resource to help you get started in minutes. And then the NativeScript CLI is there for you when you're ready to take that next step. They've got a great tutorial on their website, and then you can also get started playing with some sample apps like an animated search, a login form, music streaming app, social fitness trackers, swipeable cards and animations, charts, tab bars, restaurant menus, flight booking UIs, movie listings. There's ones that show how to build a Tinder-like swipeable card UI, putting a native dialog box in front of the user, animated rotating menus, carousels, etc. Lots and lots of stuff to check out. Be sure to visit nativescript.org to get started today. Our thanks to them for sponsoring this episode of Shop Talk Show. Uh, you know, somebody wrote in and asked you about your, 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 you know, cause you, in your old house, you used to have like a outbuilding for your oh, office yeah. and then that's gonzo all of a sudden because you had to move, which, I, you know, that's personal news for you. I don't mean to bring it up on the podcast, <laughs> but the, the, the shed is gone. No. <laughs> yeah. I can read the question. Uh, it is from Bill, uh, <laughs> native apps, native apps. <laughs> Is that really your last name? Uh, uh, Dave's Backyard Shed uh, Office was a huge inspiration for me uh, to carve out some sort of habitable office space for myself. Then Dave bought a new house. What's Dave's office like now? Has he talked about it on the podcast? Uh, I have not talked about it on the podcast. And yes, I did buy a house. Um, I can. Uh, my family, uh, wife, two kids, dog and cat. We're like filling up our two-two house, like in South Austin, and we looked around and tried to, you know, find. But then we were just like, you know what? Let's like, let's move north. Our kids are about to go in school. Just want to make sure it's like a good school district, stuff like that. So we moved uh, and got a cool house. Like we love our new house, but it's um, it, it's so it's a four-bedroom house. So that's, but with no backyard office shed. At the old place, I had a. Backyard office shed. It was a prefab from Kanga Room Systems, um, which I can say is a decent product. Maybe terrible company to uh, contract with. So, can I do? Am I, is that 
oh, is that libel here on the show? But um, I, I, I would say like get the walls from them, but don't get don't don't have them finish it out. Hire somebody yourself, or get your uncle, or something. I wonder what 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 is libel? You can you're allowed to say that you didn't like a contractor, aren't you? Okay. That would be weird yeah, to say that you Yelp. I guess I don't know. They they get really uh, punchy in their their uh, in their like Yelp reviews. I've seen like like people are like they took forever, and they're like, no, your face took forever, and you're like, whoa, <laughs> like like what? And anyway, but they uh, it was. Hey, the contracting experience, contracting is so bad, right? Just in general, but um, uh, but it, it was not a good experience. So, but anyway, the the product's decent. Um, uh, but so moved to the new house, and I'm working out of a spare bedroom. It's kind of a big room, kind of like a uh, um, I don't know. It's kind of a front room. We think it's actually it used to be like a den. Cause there's like a fireplace actually behind my computer, <laughs> like behind the wall in the drywall. Um, so we think it's like a, actually kind of a den sort of thing. Um, so, uh, I, uh, working inside the house has been, uh, to be honest, super difficult and, and mostly cause like my daughter is now three and a half and she's loud kind of all day she's home she only goes to school like three days a week or something for like Mm. daycare and so she's pretty loud are you needed at home though can't you like pop do the we work thing or something like that or is that just not appealing to you that's not appealing i mean i could i I think co-working i think i would thrive in co-working i think my only issues with co-working is you know i have to i have to be on phone calls and i have to you know talk with companies and not like my projects are like super secret, but like I can't just be, (laughs) I don't know, like yapping with Microsoft, like in (laughs) like the, the middle of like a, a, I don't know, we work space or something, or then I'd have to like go get a private room, I guess. I don't know. And then, but then I do podcasts and I'm like, ah, I'd have to, you know, um, like schedule a booth for that. And so, and I like having a setup at home, um, but it, it's, I think it's been harder. My kids, I, I think I'm personally am productive in the afternoons, um, like from this two to 6 PM ish window mm-hmm. and my, but that's like when my kids get home from school and they're coming into my office and they're, you know, running around, making noise. And, um, and that's all to say, like my wife and I have discussed this, like she's a stay at home mom works with, uh, you know, raises the kids, but like, as much as like the kids and and her are in my workspace, I am also in her workspace. So, like it's three o'clock, the kids are melting down, screaming, and she has to like keep them quiet because dad might be on a phone call. Like that's like unfair because like three year olds scream. So so like you know like like yeah, it's it's sort of like non-natural that I am in the house being like, shoo, 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 you know? Um, I think other people who work from home, you have, they have like a, I don't know, maybe an upstairs room and all the action happens downstairs or in a basement or something like that. But yeah, it's just like not exactly screaming proof, but pretty close or a lot closer, a lot closer. I mean, I'm just in like, I'm right by the front door. So it's like, you know, people come in and they just run into here, you know? And so, and I could like lock the door and shut it and, you know, but then it's like, you know, super antisocial dad. And so anyway, I don't know. I don't want to be that either, but so 
we actually started the process of we're like I started looking at doing another shed in the backyard. So we we've kind of and I went the whole thing like okay should I do a prefab and got real close to ordering a prefab but then I was like you know I just don't like it like or it's not mm-hmm. perfect you know um, and then uh, I talked to a contractor and the contractor was like yeah I'll build it you know and and we were trying to build into these weird build lines that are on my lot. And the like day before that guy came to like pour concrete, (laughs) I talked to an architect friend and he was like, Hey, I know I'm like the architect, but if it was me, I would spend the time, deal with the city and get it just right. And so that's ultimately what we kind of went with is we are like, let's do it right. Like, you know, this is going to be our house for 20 years. I think, you know, we're in the right part of Austin for us where, you know, our, our, uh, we can see our kids growing up here. I don't really see my... I love that. That's great. That's how I feel now, too. Isn't it a good feeling to be like, oh, we're living in a house that's like the last house? <laughs> yeah. I mean, like emptying out my savings account to like put a down payment on a house was definitely like, oh, my God, like, what did I do? You know, it was stressful. But But like moving into the house, you're like, wow, I'm here for like 20 years. Like, holy moly. Like, this is... It's a it's a weird perspective, right? Like you're just like, oh man, I'll be like almost 60, like, you know, when I'm ready to move on or something. So, right. So anyway, we're going to, we're going to build a little uh, office in the back through an architect. So that like doubled the cost already. So, um, so that's bad, but again, we're kind of like, we're going to kind of plan for the future. It'll be like a full mother-in-law. So, you know, if something happened health wise with a, a grandparent or something, we could take them in, um, you know, if, uh, I don't know, we have family come visit, we could kind of shift things around and get them, a, a you know, like my brother's in South Dakota. And so like if they ever came down, we could house them for a week or whatever. So it should, you know, stuff like that. But yeah, I got a, I got a drawing over here. You want to see a drawing? Yeah. This is good for podcast. Yeah. I'll describe it to you. So okay, it's a white piece podcast. of paper. It's going to look like this kind of like a little, uh, little shed, a little patio going out to the shed. It's uh, oh, that's like a hundred X fancier than I thought it was. Oh, it's going to be pretty bougie. So um, <laughs> like, I like, there's like cracked tile, you know, yeah, walkway, stone walkway. It's going to be pretty cool, but I don't see any cactuses though. I'd recommend some giant. Oh, some, some, all right. That's don't good. For, that's don't good. forget your flora. My, I need the proper uh, flora and fauna. So, so yeah. So anyway, I'm building a new new office, and and mostly because like working inside the house is getting, it's, it's getting tough. I mean, I love my kids obviously, but but kind of back to that like productivity window. Like my my afternoon productivity is is super sunk because it just isn't quite working the same. So like. I think I got really used to it at the old place. So, well, I, you know, you should definitely do that. It's going to solve a lot of your problems, increase the value of your home, be a, a wonderful place for you to work. Pull the trigger. Yeah, it should work. Hopefully, it's, yeah, and hopefully it's not a nightmare, and hopefully it happens within the year and doesn't take five years. So, sure. the <laughs> money that you earn from Shop Talk Show will pay for at least, you know, the stairway, maybe. Okay. I, I know. Yeah, I was like, I could get a couple flagstone out of this, uh, which. Reminds me, we should cut over to the money zone. (laughs) 
This episode of Shop Talk Show is brought to you by CodePen. That's right, the app I work on. Gosh dang it, I've been working on it for years and years and years and years, and I'm going to keep working on it for years and years and years for you. Because I love working on CodePen. It's kind of a, a playground, a place, you know, a social coding environment is what we call it. Because it's, you log into CodePen, you have an account, you get to play around with HTML, CSS, JavaScript, all kinds of frameworks, preprocessors, whatever. Just build stuff, play around, try to figure out bugs, build some cool idea that's been floating around in your mind, participate in CodePen challenges, you know, make yourself a little design pattern library. There's just anything you can do uh, in CodePen, and it's great. That's why my, you know, my pitch for it is pretty generic. It's just like, I don't know, it's a little coding environment. Just use it for whatever you want. And the longer you use it, I think the more value you get out of it. Like, obviously, I'm one of the first users of CodePen ever. And it's like all of my front-end experiments throughout the years are there for me on CodePen. They're really easy to search for and find. Uh, and I do that all the time because I'm like, oh, didn't I play around with this once? Yeah, here it is. Here's the code, easy to copy and paste. And you can find my examples and I can find your examples. I mean, of course, you could make stuff private as well. But by default, things are are public and open source licensed on CodePen. So it's become this massive hive of millions of pieces of content that you can search for, find, use uh, in your own projects. So I love CodePen. I'd love to have you as a pro member on CodePen. Thanks. Bye. And we're back. (laughs) (laughs) How was that? That was really fast for us. Well, Um, it'll, yeah, it'll be much better in post. So, uh, you know what? I have a, I have a Trello board open. It's been a hot hundreds of years before (laughs) since I've had this open. Dusting off the Trello board now. Yeah, well, we haven't, we don't do rapid fires that much any, any, anymore, although we should actually schedule an actual rapid fire where we actually get through a lot of questions. Although, you know, part of it is in response to that we've just kind of been getting less questions. Maybe like just the, how we've been doing the show lately, like encourages less of them. But there is a big button on shoptalkshow.com that asks you to submit questions. That is kind of our, the heart and soul of Shop Talk Show as a Q&A style show. We'll have to do more of that soon, probably after the, uh, this mini series wraps up, but I think I pr- probably the future of Shop Talk Show is to do more of these mini series. They've been a little successful for us. They've been kind of fun to do, but broken up, like like you said at the beginning of this yeah. show, it's nice to break it, up. break it up when people get sick. So, <laughs> but I have it open because um, there's questions in here that are sometimes fun to answer. So maybe I'll just pick a few and just like throw it at you, throw right, them at you. Let's throw some questions. Well, some of these are, of course, are like there's something wrong with your website. <laughs> oh really? Um, no, that's all because our website went down the other week. So we should be back in action, folks. Here's the oldest question we have in this entire thing, uh, which is from Christian Dobo. Who knows? This is probably from years ago, but it's fun. No, it's not that. It's from yeah, it's from like April 2017. So yeah, a couple years. Hey, decent. More, but the, I kept them in here because they're good. We just haven't found the perfect show yet. Now the perfect show has arrived. Moral dilemma. Were you guys ever faced with a situation where you were offered a project with fairly good pay, but with questionable moral implications? I was asked to create a website for a cancer treatment tea. It costs a lot of money and they want to hype it a lot, potentially tricking sick people into spending their last dimes on a bogus miracle cure. At the same time, it has all kinds of certifications. And of course, I could really use the money. 
Mm. Uh. What do you do here? Um, so, so there was a really good episode of what was uh, a Bizcraft Bizcraft podcast Bizcraft episode fifty one. I want to think, um, but they so they did an episode on ethics, <clears throat> and and I thought it was the best like. Like it's it's kind of a defunct podcast now, but um, I don't know that they're still doing it. But is there an answer to this though? Because are we going to try to arrive at a whatever? You know, like sometimes you need money, so you have to just do some questionable work. Or are we going to say no? Don't do something that's this far into. Yeah, I mean, like I think the way they posted or presented it was. Um, they were just like, you know, if if you want to be very loose on your ethics, you can kind of make a bunch of money. You know, you can work for that politician you don't agree with. You can work for that. Um, like you can work for any, you know, I don't know, some very uh, lewd content sites. You can work for, I don't know, you can you can do anything like like. You, if you just say yes, but, but I think it's really figuring out you in deciding, is this against my like moral code? Um, and, and, you know, but then, you know, is like price is the price, right? Maybe. Um, but I don't know for me, like cancer tea would def I've had friends, uh, pass away from cancer. I would just say no. Well, that's right. Me and you would just say, absolutely not. No way. Not only no way, I might take the job and screw up your business somehow. I might try to screw you because of how bad you're screwing the world. I might do a little vengeance of my own here. You're such a piece <laughs> of garbage. Justice. Yeah. God damn yeah. it. Or try to report you, do something bad to you if I possibly can because screw you. But at the same time, I get it. It's kind of like the I don't mind stealing bread kind of thing, right? Like, like if you're in hard times and this is your skill set— and you need to feed your family or whatever. Oh my gosh, that increases this dilemma tenfold. You know, money just arrived on your doorstep. I would like to offer you, Christian, if there's something, how much money are we talking about? How much do you need to, how much money are you, are you really dire here in which that you can throw away your morals? Because even by writing this email, you know that it's a, you're, you're not for cancer tea. Mm-hmm. This isn't. This isn't. I think Mike Montero has said in the past, like one youthful indiscretion, one Marlboro ad in your in your portfolio from twenty years ago doesn't make you a bad person, but fifty do. Right. Right. And so if you don't have any, but but this, but but you didn't. Maybe twenty years ago you didn't really think about it or no. You just are kind of like, oh, cool, a client, I'll do it. Ba ba da ba da. It's not like that's forgivable necessarily, but there's some innocence to it. It's different if you're like, I know this client is bad for the world, but I'm gonna do it anyway. Yeah, I'd say that that number. There is no number there. That's t- terrible. Can you email me? Can I give you some work somehow? I mean, this isn't a general offer for the world, but if somebody's really in a bad situation like that, where the only way they can find to make money off the internet is to do a cancer tea website. Email me at least. I got to find something else for you because this is not that you can't do that. You can't do it. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, it sounds like if, if you're emailing us, like it definitely like gets your moral code, um, <laughs> sort of spidey senses tingling. Like this does not feel good. Um, so I would maybe, 
pass. Like you got to really listen to yourself. I mean, there's other, you know, there's like grayer areas too. Like, like, you know, I saw somebody the other day, like, you know, tweet about slot machines, you know, and they just like, they're like, these are a curse. They just take old people's money. And I just was like, oh man, you know, that's really, it's a really valid point, you know? And, but I know for a fact in Austin, we have like dozens of slot machine entertainment companies and game developers working on these and finding the perfect sounds that, you know, release the dopamine to make you like put more money in the slots. And I'm just like, oh man, like what a quandary or, you know, a lot. I mean, I'm feel comfortable saying like Facebook is not really, doesn't appear to be an ethical business. You know, I know lots of people who work for Facebook. I'm not asking them to quit their job right now, but it does. But after a point, (laughs) I'm sort of like, when do, when do you kind of like need to leave that company? Cause like, there's a lot of like gross practices there, you know what I mean? And so again, but but this is something that's interesting to me too, is like, how do you like how far removed from the problem source in a company do you have to be before you like see it as a, a before it's something that you would quit, you know, Google had like surprise, we were putting uh, microphones in your nest devices and we didn't tell you like, that's a huge problem. And like, but I don't know any Googlers who are like, yeah, I'm going to leave the company because that that's a that was over the line, you know. Like, how- it is funny where the bar is, right? Because it's almost like that's worse than cancer tea, almost. Yeah. That was spying, like, like literal spying, <laughs> like bugging somebody's house without telling. Like at least cancer tea, I could like rationalize that as well. I was trying to give them a you know a tasty flavor and a warm, you know at least give them hope at the end of their, their journey. And that's like, I don't know the man, I'm just, but I just, there's, I, this answer I don't think is clear. I don't think there's a, a black and white all the time. Um, you know, we had Mike Montero and Robin, uh, Kenner, Kenner on the show and they kind of had, had, you know, pretty, they, they definitely feel, I felt like they saw things in black and white and they could make pretty like, like pretty instinctual judgments. So maybe you are like that and that's awesome. But you know, it, sometimes it, it's a little grayer, like, you know, where, where do you draw the line and, and where do you pull the rip cord? So it, it really, it is tr- hard, isn't it? It's easier to see things in black and white if you can force your brain and to do it. And then I wonder, is that the right way to do it? You know, there probably is it, like my brain really wants to draw the line at um at the cancer tea thing it just seems like you know what you're doing the people that made this cancer tea know that they're trying to extract money from people in a dire situation like it just it seems pretty cut and dry and then you but like you just did if you step back and like look at different types of moral quandaries it kind of it, it paints all kinds of gray all the time and then but the, and it's it's i like to look at the world with all the shades of gray it's like a dang hobby practically but but then it it, it 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 forces you to freeze in a way. And then you're yeah. like, well, everything's gray, so nothing matters, you know? And it allows me to kind of, unfortunately, sometimes walk through life with some degree of apathy and just like, well, I'm just, I got to get mine because the world's too complicated to possibly comprehend. So who cares? Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I don't, I mean, like, yeah, you can totally get yourself into like this moral relativism 
relativism quandary, you know, like, oh, what I'm doing is bad, but it's not as bad as those Facebook guys, thank God. So I'm clear, you know, like, what do you, you know, how do you justify that or whatever? Um, you know, there's, there's other, you know, other situations too, you know, and it just, um, the, it, it's not as complicated or not as always, not always as easy. Like if you're saying like, you know, should, you know, I kind of need the money, man, I've been, you know, been there where you kind of need the money and you need the financial stability and you just like, well, I don't love this, but like I can make a website and get through the month or whatever. So you know, tricky stuff like that. <clears throat> well, if we're going to, if we're going to attempt to go black and white or if we had to, for the sake of radio, I'm going to say, don't do it. But other yeah, than that, don't, don't do it. I, I'm just, I don't know. Find better ways to contribute <laughs> to, to cancer patients and survivors. So that would be my advice. Um, Hey, next question. Hey, all your, this, I'm just going to throw them at you and you have no idea what I'm going right, to throw at you cool. because it's fun. <laughs> it's fun for me. Here, cover my eyes. Here we go. This one's from 2016, but it's prescient still today. I don't know if I used that word correctly, but I, I used it anyway. Uh, SaaS on Windows. This is a question for you, Dave. Uh, what are you using to process your SaaS on Windows? I'm planning to buy a laptop for coding, but I don't know what I should use to process my, SAP, uh, my SaaS on my desktop Mac. I use CodeKit. I've heard of pre-process. Is that any good? What are your thoughts? I feel like that was maybe a, you know, Victor was in an interesting situation here back in 2016 where he really liked kind of the, like the gooey do it for me approach, which I'm sure is still pretty popular, but maybe like starting to die down a little bit, at least from my perspective. Yeah. I would wonder what the, the popularity of GUIs is. Um, but yeah, um, pre-pros is kind of the windows one. Um, Oh, is it it's, good? It's a it's cross platform, I think. Cross platform, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's cool, um, but for me, you know, I I use the command line. Um, uh, there there was like you could get it up and going like by installing Ruby and stuff like that on your Windows machine. But to be honest, I just installed uh, like using WSL, Windows subsystem for Linux, which you can get on the Windows App Store and Windows Ten. It works like a charm. So. I, it's just like having a Mac. <laughs> Hashtag. It's just like a Mac. So, um, uh, I would say that it, it feels like most usage of SaaS these days is you know just because the not that the, the, like like you said, there's probably plenty of people using GUIs and stuff. But if you're not, you're using a Gulp build or a Webpack build or something, some kind of build process that integrates it. And SaaS still is so popular, even in these build processes that, you know, occasionally even, you know, SaaS has moved on from Ruby. I think it's even EOL on Ruby pretty soon. Um, Like March this month. Oh, Oh, yeah, that's a big deal. And so Dart has become the canonical one, but we'll see. I don't know what the usage of the Dart one is. Its features get ported over to Node SaaS, which is by a totally different person who I don't even know is on the SaaS team. I I don't know what the connection is there, but they're very dedicated to making Node SaaS awesome as far as I know. And it is, and it's super fast. And it's probably the most common way to use SaaS just because it's the one that works in Node, even though it's written in C++ or whatever. It has bindings that make it work or whatever. Uh, hmm. That's kind of the default one. I think if you pull Node SaaS, you get you get libsass. 
which is the C library, and then it compiles your yeah, system. Yeah, just and then, everybody uses that because it works everywhere. It works in your yeah. Node stuff, and Node is just taking over the world. So that's the way it yeah. is. Even if your project isn't a Node site, you have some build process that's probably Node-powered, mm-hmm. I would think. And so that gets used. And I, it, that's what, it was always a lingering question for me. Like, is the Node SaaS thing, which is just a simple binding to LibSaaS, going to start pointing to Dart SaaS because that will run in Node 2? And now Node SaaS runs canonical SaaS, which seems like the right move, doesn't it? But the person who wrote Node SaaS is the same person who wrote LibSaaS, so they have. I think they're not incentivized to do that. They'd rather keep it pointing at their own project. Yeah, I wonder what projects like Jekyll or Rails are going to do when this disappears. You know, because if people start getting like, oh, this version of SaaS isn't supported in your, you know, Rails app, like that's going to raise huge alarms like i mean mean, what rails has even to some degree embraced webpack so yeah i think new rails 6 does webpack right so we use web we use webpacker which is their project that brings webpack to rails and interesting you know but it and we use sas through it somehow um but we use, I don't know, it's complicated. We use CSS modules, but also SAS, because SAS works with CSS modules as well. Mm. Um, anyway, and yeah. that's all through LibSAS, ultimately. I don't okay. think any, I don't, I don't know what the Dart SAS scene is, is like, really. I'm super glad that it exists, and I think it's the right move and all that, but I don't know what, how, how many people actually straight up use Dart SAS. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Could be totally wrong, not totally embedded in this community. Please correct me if I'm wrong. That's uh, yeah. that, And so if you're on Windows, you can run Node on Windows. Nobody, nobody on Windows has any trouble running Node SAS slash LibSAS, right? Yeah. I asked about it and I got like, yeah, it's the active version. <laughs> it's like very like terse like response from some SAS folks. And I was just like, oh, okay, cool. Um, Just hadn't heard of it. So, and I'm kind of connected, but whatever, I guess, you know. But so it sounds like, the maintainer of SAS is writing it in Dart. Right. Um, so I, I'm i just going to assume it works and it's going to be good. So why would you just... And I think it's 100% compatible with the Ruby one. At some point, I tried to use... So this is a huge deal for CodePen, you know, because we don't offer you versions like some mm-hmm. other things do. We kind of do that on purpose on CodePen to keep CodePen kind of simple. You want to write SAS, you pick SAS, you run SAS. And for the most part, miraculously... We don't, there hasn't been a ton of breaking stuff with preprocessors. We haven't had to like fork a preprocessor and be like, oh, shoot, we can't, we can never upgrade stylus or something because if we did, we'd break half of stylus pens or something. But fortunately, that's just pretty much just never happened as people take backwards compatibility pretty seriously. And we just upgrade versions. There's a little tiny minor stuff that breaks fine, whatever. But at one point, we're like, oh, we got to get off Ruby SAS. I mean, we have to, mm-hmm. we have to maintain our own Ruby processing server. It has its own little box in the sky just to run Ruby on it to, and has a little API to talk back and forth to. Of course, we don't want to do that. We want lambdas. Lambdas are amazing. We yeah. use the crap out of lambdas. And you can, you know, and, and thus you need something that will run in Node or something. And I, they have just released that Ruby runs on lambdas now, too. But that's in the last, like, couple weeks. So, huh. um yeah, I guess that's that interesting make... territory. But we we tried to switch at one point and it broke a ton of stuff. Like it wasn't compatible, but now it is apparently or whatever. But at CodePen, I would probably pick Dart SAS. Like I'm an, I I want a direct connection to canonical SAS. I think that that has the strongest future and 
You kind yeah, of yeah. Well, and and it's easier for y'all to be like, we're using canonical sass, not weird flavor sass. You know, so yeah. I don't, for the record, I don't think Livsass is a weird flavor necessarily, but it could be, you know, it's not canonical. Okay, how about we call Libsass, uh Sass Code Red, Sass colon Code Red, and <laughs> and and everyone knows the 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 original Sass, the the whatever the main branch Sass, which is apparently Dark Sass, is is the green Mountain Dew, and then. Uh, or yellow, I guess it's optic yellow. Uh, and then the uh, the lib sass is now sass code red. Ship it. All right. I think we'll use Mountain Dew naming systems for all libraries. So, <laughs> <laughs> what a terrible naming system. All right. We got one more, or what do you want to do? What? Yeah, we ought, we ought, we ought to. How far are we into this? this adventure 50 minutes well plus our ads which uh thank you guys for shopping at these uh wonderful establishments you see uh that's how old dave rupert gets computer bucks to uh upgrade his ridiculous computer can we mention this we haven't mentioned it i don't think but we uh we're doing transcripts for episodes now Um, oh that's a good thing to mention like a hundred percent of them instead of just the one once in a while thing we're doing before since we found a good system to do it and so yeah um so we're we're uh sending it off to our friend uh tina at fam transcriptions and she's uh making it happen so uh anyway so spread the word um let people know i think we haven't really told anyone but or many people but uh we're we're starting that so uh you should have like the whole file in the blog post like the episode page let's do just real quick just because i'm interested to see if you what your take on all this right, is zing it me seems like zing me I, even in all this modern javascript landscape stuff it hasn't come up yet which is this whole idea of graphql so we have a question from eric niehaus that says you know i've been building a web application with with a rest api um you know and like a front-end javascript thing that consumes the rest api but i've been hearing more and more about graphql and the best i can tell is graphql gives your front end a kind of a description of the database and you make queries on that description in a way which i think is a fair explanation eric what are the pros and cons of this technology you know yada 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 uh i like the question it'd be interesting to talk about a little bit but i'm interested in dave if you you seems like you you play with everything have you done this you know i haven't um from where i'm at like like the main app I work on is like a legacy Java app, trying to modernize it. Um, and yeah, but then you're like, surprise! I worked on Wired too. You know, you have secret yeah, crap going on. Yeah, I do, I do. Um, and you know, but I I do not currently have a GraphQL application, and that's purely just because like the the I think the client data source is not GraphQL. But I'm very interested. I, I think I think it's an iteration on REST. Um, I think that you, you know you're able to, you know. I think I think that's a pain point in a client where, you, at least like a, an API client where you like go fetch this URL, get some data back, and then you like loop through all the IDs and go fetch like the post IDs for all that you know like, like that's an inefficient system. Um, it, you know, it works if you're like, give me a list, so give me all of them like a truncated list, and then like then I'll view one item at a time. But if you're thinking like, I don't know, you want to kind of stitch more data sources together, more kind of tables in your database. I think GraphQL works really well for like, I'm going to describe you the data I want. 
I want and you, <laughs> you graph machine, stitch it back and send it to me. So I think that'd be cool. Uh, I mean, just to this week, um, I was on a call or something about, you know, like um, people having like, you know, API versioning is such a big deal, right? Like we're, we're connected to V1 of the API and there's a V1.1 that has this other feature we need. But if we do V1.1, we end up breaking everything for, you know, this other thing. And like, if you have an API, you have to version it. So that's kind of a lot of work. It's not just easy out of the box. Yeah. So like, so this GraphQL. That's, but that was a talking point early on in GraphQL land was, hey, you don't, you don't need to version your API for something, which I kind of don't get. Like, what if you decide to return different data at a certain different field? Like, doesn't that mean you still have to version it? I guess what it means is like, oh, you just think of it differently. Instead of returning different data, you start offering a, a newly named field. And if you want people to use that, they ask for that newly named field, and that has the new data, and thus you don't have to migrate anything. I'm like, wouldn't that be true with REST too? Then you just have some different name and or different endpoint, or I don't know. I, I it kind of makes sense, but it, it just it seems like it doesn't totally remove the idea of ever changing your API. You know? Yeah, yeah. I just uh, I think the the constraint, at least on the for like a like a, a client author. And this is even if you're doing jQuery or any, you know, not just these fancy frameworks. Like, you know, if if you need to get data for more than one table, you either need to write some server code to prepare that, or you need to get one response and then do multiple responses to get even more data. Um, that's really slow on a client, like a phone. Like, that's a lot of radio tower travel. And so that's not good. So I think GraphQL is awesome because you're just like, I want your, I'm going to describe this data. And then the adapter, the database adapter, the GraphQL adapter kind of negotiates what tables it has to call and, and join and do all that. And I think that's awesome. I think there's a, you know, if you've ever done data stuff, like, like big O notation is a really big F and deal, <laughs> like for a database, like, is it a O? or an you know o n query is it a log n query you know like that those sort of stuff starts to come into play like when you're doing a database so um and i'm not even sure i know those <laughs> those notations but i do know what's expensive so like if you do like a join and a join and a join you just you just murdered the database basically oh it blows my mind so my whole experience with it has largely just been as a consumer and not even almost like I don't know. So Mike, even a really basic consumer to the point where I just like I write a component, I write some GraphQL at the top of it that says what I want, and I use it. That's probably the number one use case of GraphQL that I think is just the greatest thing ever. You can also write mutations, which is just the version of the opposite of a REST API. You know, like I want to change some data and tell the server about it so that it can change it. That's fine. I'm like less good at that. <laughs> But, you know, plenty of people do, you know, that's whatever. It's happening plenty at CodePen as well. Um, but then there's that idea of like, okay, uh, now I want this other thing. Give me, give me, give me, give me. And I want it sorted like this. That doesn't, GraphQL doesn't solve your problem there, you know. Like, I, maybe that's what you're getting at, that like somebody still has to, that still has to talk to a database that may or may not be able to give that to you well. Yeah, like yeah. Uh, just because I want it doesn't mean I can have it. Now, I, I, an ideal, perfect 
GraphQL situation. Maybe that your database admin is amazing and just, you know, anything that you could possibly want is yours. But I'm finding that not to be true. You know, I've, I'm finding database admin going like, whoa, I can't give you that. That's crazy. That's the worst query ever, you know? <laughs> See, yeah, that would be my concern. I Like, that's the cost of abstractions, right? Like, like I have a very cheap way. What was it? Rich Harris was saying, like, he's kind of quoting Tesla's law, like, complexity at a certain point cannot be reduced. And so you just shift it around. You know, we're making it very easy now on the client to request a bunch of data, but that puts the burden on the the webs uh, on the database basically so the the complexity now goes over to the right dba the database admin so there's there's still a back end it still exists this is the kind of thought that i have been left with recently is that like there's been all this technology that's happened on the front end first of all back end stuff has has certainly become more front end stuff for example like component driven architecture you know that didn't really hit in a perfect way on server side stuff but it has really locked in as the javascript way of building websites so now we're like okay we build everything in components and then we piece them together and the piecing together has become well we're going to create our whole site this way all of our pages are going to be pieced together components and now that we're making entire pages this way we might as well do our routing this way we might as well just have the, that be our entire site architecture at all so now we're in the browser still so we're firmly in front end territory but the front-end person has become the architect of the entire app. And then it's like with GraphQL entering the party, it's like, now you don't even need back-end. Well, a back-end person needs to set all this up, but but you're not you're no longer twiddling your thumbs waiting for a back-end person to give you the API that you need. There's this global API, and you just use it for whatever you want. So now you're not waiting, or, you know, the, the, the data layer has shifted to the front-end as well. And, and not just one way, not just as a consumer, but in writing data back as well. And then, of course, there are all these third-party APIs that exist in the world. The front developer has become empowered to deal with all those as well. And it's like, where the what the front end is responsible for is just blossomed into just a, tons of everything, and and we're and the, the decisions are like, can we because this is happening, can we build technologies in which that you can't screw up in a way? Mm-hmm. So I think of like TypeScript as like if you build in this way, now I can't even call a function if I call it incorrectly or pass incorrect data to it. It'll just blow up. I can't I can't do it. It's totally prevented me from doing that. And with GraphQL, I, I can't even ask for data that doesn't exist or try to do that in some way. GraphQL not only is a convenience for me and empowering for me, but makes sure that I can't I can't even really ship anything that that doesn't work or ask for incorrect data because it just won't let you ask for incorrect data. And then we have styling stuff that's like, I can't, you know, if I put my styling here too and I scope my styles to this component, I can't screw up other components. It won't even let me do it. The styles are too scoped that I can't I can't screw up other parts of the app if I just use them as default features. So we're getting more and more front end abilities, and then the front end saying like, "Well, let's let's lock it down to the point where like you you can't even screw it up." I mean, of course, there's ways to screw up anything, but uh, but for the most part, it guides you to not screwing up, and it's just kind of fascinating to watch. Well, it's a, there's that that CSS and JS post, um, and I don't know how to pronounce the name. Uh, but uh, or on the on the of the abbreviation, but it was about like why I like CSS and JS and referenced the pit of success, uh, which I think was a Joel on softwareism, uh, but just that you try to guide people to 
Like if you, that's exactly what I thought of too. I heard a lot of positivity about that post and a lot of people crapping on that post, which I guess any good post is incites that, that kind of riot in a way. And there were some things in there that I didn't like, but for the most part, I was landed on actually liking that article, partially because of the Pittic success and partially because of the, the idea of confidence, which I do believe, you know, if you're writing all of your components in JavaScript anyway, and then you have some CSS and JS system that isn't harming performance terribly in any way, it it can breed a certain kind of confidence that I think is valuable in days. Yeah, no, I I mean I think that's true. I think there's some benefits, you know, of just like uh, for me, um, been using Vue on a project uh, or Nuxt specifically, and. What I like about it is it Whoa. it does some things like it just it has um it, it has some some structure to it and and like and what I like you know it's like oh if are you managing state like are you doing like a global store kind of thing you just put that file in the store directory and it automatically like <laughs> registers as a like a, a a piece of global state and it's just like well that's handy. I love that. Like it's stuff like that. Like you can kind of like, and a lot of view is like, there's a lot of first party components that try to help you in, in, you know, uh, kind of everything you need to build an application has already been like, it's, it's already part of the, the Nuxt or, or view family, like authentication. You don't have to do NPM install passport, blah, blah, blah. Like there's a Nuxt auth um, component. And you probably, it's probably using Passport under the hood. I don't know why it wouldn't, but like it, you, you have like, like a first party thing to kind of get you doing it the, the next way. And, and I like that. It's kind of very reminiscent of kind of Rails-y sort of. Yeah. Like, did it feel shepherding. pit of success-y? Yeah. I mean, what, at first you're like, like, I don't know how to do this, you know, so. <laughs> like uh this does you know if i or like i'm not sure how they want me to do it and then you're like you do a google and then or bing i do bing uh mm-hmm. you do a bing and then you get like the first result is like oh use the built-in thing that's already in there it's already in your code base and you're like oh okay i should just use that so that feels pit of successy to me because like i don't know that's the thing too is like when you look for an answer to a problem, can you find it quickly? Or like, is there kind of a first party solution to it? Um, I guess that's maybe totally different than the pit of success thing, but it's just sort of like, how can I, if I am going to use something, how can it lead me towards success? I guess. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I love that. You know, I know it's tough to, it's hard to, yeah, I don't know. But I mean, that's why rails was popular a million years ago, you know? That's yeah. probably why WordPress is still popular because it has all these tell you what to do isms, you know, that that people like. People love to be told what to do. It's amazing. Yeah, and and like, and if it's too hard to do, like, you know, I think when you're young and dumb, you're like, yeah, I'm gonna do it. <laughs> but like, uh, but you know, but after a while, I think you kind of get like a, you get a sense like, oh, it's hard to do this thing in WordPress. WordPress probably just doesn't want to do that. And maybe I should look for a different tool. I think that's, I think that's awesome. So, uh, you know, I think you start understanding the trade-offs for tools like years after using them, you know, I think that's a thing too. So I don't know. Like, yeah, WordPress would be a good, you know, it dumps everything in a post table. It really wants you to write posts. So there you go. 
just blog. Really, yeah. All right. Oh my God. That, that's the can of worms for another time. Thanks for a lovely chat, Dave. That was Yeah, nice. this is good. Uh, thank you. And thank you, dear listener, for downloading this and your podcast of choice. Be sure to star heart favorite up. That's how people find out about the show or follow us on Twitter. Sorry. At shop talk show for tens of tweets a month. If you hate your job, have a shop slash jobs. Get a brand new one. Cause people want to hire people like you and Christy. Do you have anything else you'd like to say? <laughs> Web, 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 web,